Hi there, my name's Sharice and you're listening to the Beauty Me podcast. This week's guest is somebody I've actually known, I think, for maybe about 10 years. I could be wrong. Her name is Rachel Gibson, but she's actually known on Instagram as the hair historian. Rachel's worked in hair journalism for a very long time. I think if I've known her for at least 10 years, I think she's been working in the industry longer. She does a lot of social media for hair brands. She's written for industry publications for a long time, but most recently she launched The Hair Historian and it's really taken off. If you scroll down her feed, you'll see some stunning hair images, mainly from works of art that she's sort of sourced over time. I think she probably has thousands of images on her Pinterest. It was really great to chat with Rachel because we haven't seen each other for a while and we've never had the chance to talk for so long. So I hope you find this interesting and thanks for listening. So I work from home, so my morning routine is maybe not the most normal professional routine. (laughs) Um, I tend to, I'm a real early riser, so I get up at like six o'clock in the morning and first thing I do is check all of the socials because as well as the hair historian, Mm -hmm. I do uh, PR and social for lots of different hair brands. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I do in the morning, sadly, is start checking my phone. Um, So... I'll do all my checks on there, and by then it's like kind of seven o'clock, so that's when I get out of bed. Um, I am a tea drinking person. There is always a lot of tea going on, <laughs> and like I have my teapot, so I can get through like literally six cups of tea what? <laughs> before about ten o'clock. Oh um, but then no more caffeine after that. That's right, like, it happens. It's all in the morning. Okay. Um, And yeah, I think the other joy of working from home is that I'm all about like making a good breakfast. Like breakfast Mm -hmm. is definitely my favorite meal. Mm -hmm. And because I get to work from home, I get to make nice things. And so I'm all about like making a big, a big kind of nice breakfast. So no, just it's not like cereal. and It's very much like, let's make something interesting today. So I think because I get up so early, it's quite nice to, mm. this is all happening before about eight o'clock. Yeah. So I, I kind of feel like I've had my nice morning to myself of doing bits <laughs> and pieces before anyone else is on the emails or anything. So yes, love that. It, it makes it makes a good start to the day. So what kind of things are you making then? Are you doing like birch and muesli and overnight oats or <laughs> fry ups? Mm, no, it's like lots of like kind of Mexican breakfast, so lots of tomatoes, like slow-cooked tomatoes with, like, tortillas and things, making it all fresh. It's, uh... Okay. I I love cooking anyway, and I... Cooking in the morning when, like, everyone else is still, like, getting on the tube and having their overpriced coffee. It's, like... I spent so long commuting and doing that stuff that now I don't have to. It's like, I'm going to really enjoy this morning. And so even though I'm a morning person in that I wake up early and get up early and get started early, I don't... I don't love the mornings. I don't love talking to people in the morning. <laughs> um, so it's nice to have that time just to kind of wake up and, yeah, become a normal human being before I have to actually face the world and start talking to people and doing email. No, I love that. Because um, I, when I'm good, I'm really good. Like, I have been known to get up at half five, but not anymore. But, yeah, when I'm good, I like to get up and... <laughs> I think what you said about I love it when you're already up and the emails haven't started yet. Like you can even it's even I know, a good it feels time. like you're winning back the day. Yes. And you can actually even work in that time. I love like getting my husband to make me the best coffee because he's a qualified <laughs> barista, so he's like, you know, got all the kit or whatever. Oh perfect. But um you know, just enjoying the coffee, enjoying the breakfast, like making something really good and and then, like you say, yeah, once 9, 9.30 hits, you're part of the usual rat race. But you're still at home. 
I know it's great I'm very lucky <laughs> so where does your have you got a beauty routine that kicks in in the morning or because you work from home is it something you kind of leave till later in the day no I'm still like I think all my friends who are freelance or who work from home always said to me you know you've got to make sure you actually do these things because otherwise yes. it can get to sort of 11 o'clock in the morning and you're still like yes. in your pajamas so yes. I um yeah I usually go to a spin class in the morning so when I get back from that I like do the do the shower and everything at mm, home mm. and if I'm not doing that I still get up have a shower I don't tend to wear makeup when I'm at home by myself just no. because I can't be bothered but I definitely still do like the full skincare works mm-hmm. because no excuse not to and mm. I also love doing kind of a face mask while I'm sitting at my desk mm. during the day because again it just feels like multitasking getting to do things that not everybody's getting to do I I enjoy sitting there with a face mask on like plowing through the work it's like (laughs) it feels good I have to ask about your hair though like where does your hair fit in because anybody that knows you knows that you have amazing hair it's an amazing mane of red (laughs) hair it's like your thing when you're at home do you pay attention to the hair like you say obviously you don't wear makeup at home but do you do any give your hair any love in the morning before you start work yeah, I definitely do. I mean, there's definitely a lot of kind of top knots, the mm-hmm. classic when you're working at home. Yes. But um, I do like to do stuff with it just because I think I'm so lucky to have so many nice products and mm. to get sent things and want to try things. And because I just genuinely love hair so much, I do really want to be trying things out. Yes. So, yeah, I definitely there'll be product going on in the morning. I also am doing hair masks during the day as well. That's definitely okay. a thing. How often? <laughs> um, but uh once a week okay I'm pretty good I mean I only I like I only wash my hair once a week as well so that means there's not like I don't have to spend too much time on that in the morning because I have so much hair and it takes so long to kind of wash and dry that yeah yeah, it's nice to not have to worry about doing that every morning but yeah I'm always kind of trying out new products and trying to do different things with my Mm. hair just because I yeah I love doing it and I love playing and trying things so it feels like why not do that while you're at home as well? And I do generally have to leave the house at some point. So, you <laughs> yeah. know, it's like at least the hair's done, even if nothing else happens. Exactly. So have you got a favorite hair mask that you're using? Because I'm terrible for that. I am obsessed with the Diziac range. Right. Um, okay. I was introduced to the range by Zoe Owen, hairdresser, okay. and it is the best. It's designed for like thick coarse hair the yeah. girl that created it she has afro hair but yeah. you know it's kind of just it's good for dry thick hair anyway okay. my hair is really dry and very coarse so yeah I love that um I use the shampoo and the conditioner from mm-hmm. that range and I use the conditioner like a mask so I'll just kind of leave it on okay um the Philip Kingsley elasticizer is yes. still the original and best like it's if amazing. my hair's feeling like terrible then yeah that will that will always sort it out and yeah, like I say, it's kind of the joy of working from home thing. It's like I can put mm. that on mm-hmm. when I have a shower in the morning and leave it on like the whole day yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then wash it off in the afternoon. So um, that's a real lifesaver. So as we're talking about your hair, I feel mm. bad I don't know the actual answer <laughs> to this, but is is it your natural colour, the red? No, not at all. <laughs> okay. My natural hair is like uh, your classic mousy, right. blondy like English. light brunette yeah classic exactly <laughs> but um I have been having I've been coloring it since I was like 12 years 12, no like early mm. teens probably so it's been all sorts of different colors over the years okay. and then I when I was a teenager I was doing it with like manic panic and yeah. crazy color at yeah. home um 
like every color under the sun mm-hmm. and then when I got older I'm not sure really how old but like when I first started working as a journalist probably yeah. and getting to go and have proper appointments that's when I started yes at coloring it properly and yeah. I have been read pretty much since I was like in my early 20s so that's like 10 yeah. 15 years now and yeah. I can't imagine being anything else now I can't imagine you being anything else now I don't think anyone would recognize no me. I mean it'd be a good way of don't going go incognito but <laughs> <laughs> well the thing is my natural color is quite light and my old colorist imagine. was always like oh we could make you go blonde it would be really oh. interesting and I'm like mm, it would be really fun but it's yeah. not gonna happen it'd be a big job yeah, it would be a big, long yeah, job. Yeah, <laughs> worth <laughs> recording like, if you ever do it. <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> you obviously settled on red, and I always wondered, obviously, because you are on Instagram, you're the hair historian. Was mm-hmm. there a specific attraction to the colour red? Was it to do with the fact that you, even back then, perhaps you were looking backwards? Was it any particular person? or? Um, maybe subconsciously. I think mm. I just liked red. Mm. Um and it it works for me as a like as a, with my skin tone yeah. and everything. I don't think I was kind of trying to emulate anyone. I think it was mm. just a color that I liked. But I mean, yeah, maybe subconsciously there was because I've certainly always loved that kind of pre-Raphaelite look. And yeah. I think because my hair is like thick and curly, mm. it kind of fits with that pre-Raphaelite thing anyway. Mm. Mm. Um, so yeah, maybe that was going on somewhere subconsciously. I, I it wouldn't be surprising because that's definitely kind of looks and references mm. that I've always been passionate about ever yeah. since sort of day one. So maybe somewhere subconsciously that was happening did you have any kind of beauty icons or was something was beauty a thing that you were interested in when you know whether it comes to taking care of skin or playing with makeup it was definitely more kind of the playing side of it I think Mm. I don't know whether maybe I'm wrong but I feel like our generation skincare wasn't a thing I feel like now everyone's obsessed (laughs) with skincare but like when I was a teenager in the 90s uh, Mm. no like late 90s early 2000s Mm no skincare wasn't I mean I did not even it's know for older people was I think we've seen as yeah I thing. mean I you know used the classic like clearasil the blue oh. clearasil you're the second <laughs> on, person like, this week to mention that on the podcast <laughs> because it was the classic yeah. and I feel like that was all I used I mean <laughs> I look at teenagers now and I think you're so lucky to have all this great yes. stuff because it amazing yeah um but it certainly wasn't part of my day to day I very much was just about playing with makeup I mm. love makeup I remember mm. um Miss Selfridge had their makeup range oh, and then there was a range in Superdrug that I can never find any reference to online and I have looked but it was okay. called RU as in the letters R yeah. U, and I loved their stuff and they had this orangey yellow eyeshadow from that range which I loved that was like my thing (laughs) Um, and I was yeah it was always music that inspired Mm. me so female musicians were like Mm. always my thing Mm. and all the kind of people that I admired were quite sort of bold with their makeup I suppose so it was like your classic like Gwen Stefani Mm -hmm. um, this amazing band that I was obsessed with called Shampoo who are two girls from London okay um lots of like indie girl bands mm, mm. from here and from the US and all of them were just very confident women mm. who had cool makeup and it certainly wasn't sort of about looking pretty or whatever it was just like having fun with makeup. <laughs> it, it was just like makeup is fun let's play with it yeah. and so there was lots of like really bright eyeshadows and like bright lipsticks and then mm. like with Gwen Stefani the 
now in retrospect problematic bindies and like mm. face stickers and things there was a lot of that going on <laughs> yeah um, there was wasn't there bindies were a so much thing. yeah totally i remember buying some bindies from miss selfridge in a little <laughs> oh, gosh, silver tub i can still imagine it yeah and um i loved them i actually remember one like there was some school event that i had to go to and it was like an open evening sort of mm. thing and we had to be there kind of being students so people could yeah. ask us what school was like and I remember having this like all these face stickers on in like a Gwen Stefani <laughs> mode and the teachers being like I mean they weren't my school was very relaxed but they yeah. were a bit like what why are you wearing that so like <laughs> like people might have questions about this yes and I was like yeah they're cool I like them um but it was certainly always like yeah colorful things mm. and like glitter and these shiny things yeah. and they're definitely still the things I'm attracted yeah. to now it was yeah it's that idea of like makeup as a fun creative thing it's certainly I love makeup even though I don't wear much makeup I love mm. makeup so much and mm. I think it is all about fun and experimentation and it certainly sort of genuinely never crosses my mind like is a man gonna like this does it look pretty is no. it professional it's more just like this is fun let's try something out yeah. and um that's always been my approach and I think it remains that way so I think that's the healthiest way to see it. I literally um I wrote a piece about this last week i did like three different makeup looks and I sort of talked about how I don't even think that it's a trend a, a seasonal thing anymore it's like you do what you want when you want and absolutely one of the looks it was full-on like even my husband was like okay you're you're like really going for it today because it was the red lip and it was pink blush and it was blush on the temples and it was eyeliner and I was like yeah because it's gonna come off it's it's not like it's not for me it's not a statement to anyone or for anyone it's like I'm playing today and when I get home it's all gonna come off and tomorrow I'll do something yeah. different yeah absolutely it's just it's it's fun and yeah and creative and it's like it's just like your clothes or whatever it's like why not just kind of mm. enjoy it and um mm. I guess that kind of is a lucky place to be in that I can feel that you know, I wouldn't say I was necessarily a particularly confident person, but it certainly would never cross my mind to be like, oh, I shouldn't wear this lipstick in case people think yeah. it's weird. It's like, no, <laughs> I just like it. It's fun. Yeah. I know your sort of go-to hair colour, but have you got like a go-to face? Because I know you are you have a lot of events to go to working in the hair industry. Have you got a face that you always kind of rely on? Like, yeah, I'm just going to do that. Because I know your outfits are always really cool. Mm. I don't really know if I do have a go-to makeup mm. look because as much as I love makeup, in my old age I don't really ever I don't wear a huge amount and yeah what it there's always my, my, my favorite things are always like a glittery eye I am mm -hmm. obsessed with glitter mm -hmm. and always have been always will be so I love a glittery eye but um that like on a day-to-day -day basis I like a nude glitter so like mm. something that isn't like a bold color but yeah. still that sparkle there yeah, yeah. um but then I also do love like a ridiculously bright glitter as well for like mm. a party mm -hmm. um and then I am obsessed with like a nude shiny lip and I, I was thinking about this earlier and I was thinking actually I think it's quite 90s kind of the the makeup that I go to but not in a way that not like the 90s icons that yeah. I actually liked when I was a teenager but as okay. I've got older it it does feel like kind of like 90s supermodel thing in that like so I always want a lip. nude eye yeah. yeah it's like a nude eye of like a, or a top or a brown yes, it's yeah. like the eyebrows done and then yes. I just love shiny lips so mm. like a gloss um, a gloss fiend mm, mm. and yeah like a nude glossy lip is my favorite and I don't really like having anything on my skin I like my skin to be natural yeah um I used to wear 
a lot of bass, but these days I just don't. And I like, I think oh, it makes cool. me look younger and yeah. fresher. And yeah. like, I have a few freckles and things and I just don't really like to put anything on my skin. So it's a bit of concealer and that's pretty much it. And um, oh, I do cool. like a bit of highlighter or a bit of blusher and things like that, but certainly nothing covering my skin. I just yeah. like it to be as it is. And I always kind of think like, I look my best when it's like the summer and I've got, yeah basically no makeup on and yeah. my hair's like in its natural kind of curly state and mm. I'm like this is always that's always when I feel like my absolute best so I yeah. think that's kind of what I'm trying to maybe recreate on a day-to-day basis yeah um, I mean I do love a, a bright lip every now and then but again I think it's just like just I'm, I am quite lazy and I, I the idea <laughs> of like putting on like whenever I, I put on like a bright lip yeah knowing that I have to kind of maintain it all night mm. and keep checking yeah yeah, yeah. I get a bit like I can't really be bothered to go and check again. So yeah. something like a nude, a nude like kind of lip gloss or something that I can just throw on kind of without really yeah. looking. Yeah. Um, that's definitely more my vibe these days. But the other day, like my my flatmate also works in kind of beauty, and okay. she had a um, she was kind of clearing out some freebie stuff she'd been given, mm-hmm. and she had this Kylie Jenner uh, lip kit. One of did those. Did you put it on your Instagram? I, I did put it on my Instagram, yeah. And it was like bright it, right? red. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it. And it was just bright red. And it was like, this is the kind of makeup I used to do when I was oh. in my 20s and I was more sort of bothered about putting on a full face of makeup. And yeah. When I put it on, I was like, God, this is great. And I kind of had that rem- reminder of how good it does feel to have like a yes. really bold lip on. Yeah. Um, so maybe I'll try and make a bit more of an effort again because I oh, okay. uh, I do really like I, it felt good I was just like oh this is really good but yeah. um yeah definitely kind of my what feels best is always like I just like nudes and mm. I like sh- I like shiny nudes mm. yeah more so, more so than matte yeah definitely yeah I think it's like I, I, maybe that's a getting older thing as well is that like you know, my skin is naturally quite oily. Okay. It's never going to look matte. Making it matte <laughs> would involve putting a lot of product on. It's so dry. And that isn't something I'm interested in doing. Yeah. So I'm just yeah. like, you know what? Naturally dewy, you know, I don't, I will kind of do what I can to kind of make it not super shiny, but yeah, yeah. it's certainly, I'm not going to try and matte, matten it because it's just yeah. not going to happen. It's so aging it's, and it collects in any yeah, little Yeah, I think so. No. Yeah, it's just, yeah. I just don't, it doesn't feel right to me anymore mm. to just put loads and loads mm. of product on my mm. skin. I don't like the feeling of having yeah. a lot of makeup sitting on my skin. But I mean, I love people that do. Like, I have so many yeah. friends that are like really into kind of retro looks or kind yeah. of like quite draggy looks. And I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah, cool. It's amazing. I just, yeah, I, I can't really be bothered to do it myself. <laughs> That's well, what you, it all comes down to, is being a bit lazy. You spend all the time on your hair. So, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you can't do everything. So, you mentioned there about, feeling your best but I wanted to know like have you got a certain time when you feel is there a certain time when you feel you're most beautiful I think it's like I said like in I just love it in summer when you've Mm. kind of got nothing on your skin and Mm. you're kind of a little bit tan Mm. but just kind of naturally a bit glowy and that always makes me feel my absolute best that is like peak at my best time so there's like Two months of the year when it's like <laughs> when that in England. Feeling beautiful every that day. That is when I'm ready. <laughs> exactly. I hear um, you. <laughs> but no, I feel just like I, I definitely kind of, it's been interesting kind of getting into my mid to late 30s now, mm-hmm. being like when I look in the mirror and I've got no makeup on, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I feel this now. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, it's like, oh, my, my like 
cheekbones are good. Like my, I like my natural skin with it's a bit mm. kind of freckly now. And like, I've definitely, I feel good now when I kind of mm. look in the mirror day to day and I'm just mm. like, that bit, that's a nice po- place to have got to because, definitely. you know, that takes a, a long time to get to that yeah. point. But I think, yeah, I definitely, it, it takes me by surprise sometimes when I catch myself in the mirror and I'm like, oh, I don't hate this. Like, this is like, cool, <laughs> <Yeah>. looking good. <laughs> I'll be like, I should take a selfie. And I'm like, no. <laughs> Look at yeah, the camera. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't want to spoil it for yourself. Like no. catching it in the mirror is one thing, but then you take a picture <laughs> yeah. and you're like, oh God, no, I, I look obviously we need to talk about I was gonna get you to explain a little bit about your history first so that I don't get it wrong and then just, <laughs> just for the listeners but also so you can bring us up to speed on how the hair historian came about so maybe take us a little bit back and then bring us a yeah sure yeah. so um I used to work at a magazine hairdressers journal which mm-hmm. is a trade magazine for the hair industry and it's um been going for about forever uh, like 150 years or something it's yeah. like started in can't remember the exact launch date but it's very mm. old and mm. it was weekly until relatively recently mm-hmm. so we had these huge archives of just thousands of copies of the magazine mm. and whenever i had cause to kind of go through the archives or i have to look up something i was just obsessed with it and i loved seeing the not even the old styles but just mm. like kind of the old industry and products mm, that people were using mm. and tools that people were using and because it was an industry magazine it was very in-depth so you know yeah. we'd have like um you know a new salon interior or whatever mm. but from like the 1910s and mm. I just was fascinated by it so I've always been interested in the history of hair so that's mm. kind of one side of it mm-hmm. um and then I've always loved art history I did fashion at university but it mm-hmm. was like fashion design so it was and my favorite thing at university was always kind of the cultural stories behind clothes. So it's like, why do people wear these clothes? Um, what does this say about them? What what are we learning about history through the way that people are wearing their clothes? So that was always a passion of mine as well. And then I guess just the two combined one day. And like, cause I had all of these, whenever I was doing stuff in the HJ archives, I would always be saving the pictures mm-hmm. just for my own interest or putting them on Pinterest or something. So one day I just thought, you know, I'm going to start putting them on Instagram. And that's kind of, I guess, how the hair historian started. Yeah. And then I kind of t- chose to make it a bit more um, combining my other interest of art history. Mm. So it's kind of looking through historic artworks yeah. to look out for kind of interesting hair. And I mean, part of it is just because I'm obsessed and I would be doing this anyway, regardless mm. of anyone looking at it or not like I've had Pinterest boards and like folders on my desktop since time began full of like interesting (laughs) hair things so it's certainly just something I've always done for fun Mm. but I think I like the idea of um it's kind of a two-pronged thing number one is that I want people working in the hair and beauty industries Mm. to kind of be aware that you can kind of find inspiration everywhere yeah and I've done a lot of mentoring of young hairdressers and the amount of times that you kind of just hear the same references time and time again and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, yeah. everyone should be inspired by whatever naturally inspires them. But I've had quite a few kind of moments of talking to people and being like, oh, well, why don't you look at this like artist? Or maybe you'd find this photographer interesting. Yeah. And kind of seeing people be like, oh, God, like, wow, I didn't even think about that. And people are so used to, I think, just going on Pinterest or opening a magazine and being like, oh, that's where my inspiration comes from. Yeah. And it's like actually having a unique 
source for your um your inspiration makes your work a lot more interesting it makes it a lot more personal to you and i'm sure you find the same thing it's like when you're interviewing hairdressers about their inspirations Mm, it's like mm. it's just not interesting to hear the same thing every time and it doesn't make you as a a journalist want to write about it um so actually if people have an interesting point of view and they are inspired by something different then i think that's amazing and i'm certainly not suggesting that everyone should be inspired by what i post or that everyone has to be interested in art history because that would be boring too but it's just this idea that like there are other places to get inspired that aren't just I think it's the effort and it's it's the effort yeah yeah totally and we uh, well you know it's lucky to have kind of grown up in an era when you know I had to go to the library to do my research we didn't have the internet (laughs) you could just google it on your phone for a quick yeah and I I think it I mean I love the internet like Mm. the internet is my career but um Mm. I feel very lucky when I think the things that I was exposed to when I was studying fashion was like yeah you'd go to do some first-hand research you'd go and interview someone you'd go and look at some photos from a newspaper you'd go to the library and microfiche I think those things just, do you remember microfiche? yeah <laughs> <laughs> those, those things just make you like I think it just I think it's just good to be inquisitive so that's yeah. kind of one side of it yeah and then the other side of it is this idea of um I'm very interested in people having kind of more respect for the hair industry and the Mm, professionalism mm. of the industry Mm -hmm. and I think we look at fashion as an academic subject now fashion is very academic and there's absolutely no reason that we shouldn't be looking at hair in the same way because you know hair is as important if not more because it's more widely available to everybody yeah yeah and you know it's something that we can talk we can define cultures by what's going on with hair and it it's to me it's yeah I'm very passionate about kind of making people take hairdressing more seriously Mm, and I think mm. looking at it in an academic way I mean that might sound a little bit lofty but it's like the idea is like just you know it is an important thing it's not just some it's not just a job for people that haven't got anything better to do you know it's like it is a serious job and it is a craft and it has been a part of our lives forever so let's talk about it a bit more seriously um so yeah there's that side of it as well no I love that I think like you say I've been in the hair hair and beauty journalism for maybe 13 years and I've got a massive respect for hairdressers the sheer amount of time that they spend on us and then obviously you have what I love about you you have kind of like the different levels you've got the session stylist you've got the avant-garde you've got so much going on and you can it's very similar to fashion even in the sense that in fashion you have the different levels you have fast fashion you have um couture etc and I think everyone puts so much effort in. And I think what you're providing is actually really cool because it's like you said, I did fine art and photography. I had to go to a library. I had to get out these huge books. Yeah. I had to page through. And it's different because then you, you catch tiny pictures or you, you'll catch a certain phrase and you'll be sort of entranced for like hours. But yeah, and it'll send you off down a whole different oh route my gosh, again. Yeah. You're like, oh my God, I found this one thing and now I'm going to think about and fall down another rabbit hole yeah research the the only thing we have kind of similar to that now is youtube because you can really go down a rabbit (laughs) hole on youtube absolutely um but yeah so with the hair historian obviously i go there and i'm i just love 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 the images but are you looking for new things every day or do you have like this massive catalog of things that you already know you're going to post um a bit of both so i mean Literally every single day I'm thinking about hair and Mm. I'm looking at hair and 
I'm, I follow so many things on Instagram, like museums and art galleries and stuff. Mm-hmm. And whenever I see things, I'm just, it is kind of constantly in my mind. Like, is mm-hmm. this interesting hair that I could share with somebody? Mm-hmm. Um, but I do also have like a big supply. I, like I said before, I have a Pinterest board. Yeah. that's like a private Pinterest board yeah. of just like thousands of hair images. Oh, wow. And I think I look at these things so much that like, quite often I'm like, well, I'm not going to post that one because everyone's seen that. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, have they? Like, has no. anyone ever actually no. seen this? Or is it just fresh in my mind? And then so. I post it and it gets this amazing response. And you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, should have done that earlier. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's always stuff going on. There's definitely like a big supply in the background mm-hmm. um, of things that I want to share. And yeah, I I like to try and make it relevant too. And like, I'm lucky that recently I've kind of started getting invited to previews of exhibitions and things. And when I go, you know, if I've seen something recently that I think, mm. oh, everyone should go and see this exhibition, mm. then I want to get that posted ASAP so that people know that that's a thing they can go and actively view now. Mm. Um, but there is no shortage at all. There is so much stuff. <laughs> so I will never run out. I, I believe you. <laughs> But, um, so what's been your obviously you probably had favorites before you started getting like super serious on the Instagram side of things but what's your favorite era then when it comes to hair um it's a difficult one when people ask me this I'm like hmm to know um I love the pre-Raphaelites because mm. it's like big red curly hair mm-hmm. and that's what I have <laughs> um but also I think it's an interesting time you know those paintings were you know the pre-raphaelite movement is a really interesting time in history anyway. it was different and body shapes fact, as well wasn't it yeah and just the fact that women's beauty and like hair is so central to those paintings mm-hmm. it's like those paintings wouldn't exist without women having amazing hair so mm. i think that's kind of my favorite just because they're so unapologetic about doing interesting hair mm-hmm. um and also yeah if you're talking kind of eras in history i mm-hmm. find that to be you know that's kind of where i would want to be because yeah. The hair is so cool. But I'm also always very interested in um, any kind of like times of change. Um, so I've always been a big kind of fan of like the 1920s, 1930s, yeah. interwar period. Any time when people are sort of starting to rebel yeah. and do things a bit differently yeah. and kind of go against the grain. I, I always find that very interesting. And I think historically we, we always see that's an interesting time for fashion and beauty. You yes. know, you think about the 50s and 60s as well. Yeah. Um, you know, any time when there's a bit of change in the air tends mm. to create interesting trends. And any time when the young people are really like rebelling against what their parents did is, is always going <laughs> to cause interesting trends. When I'd sent you over some talking points, I mentioned, are there mm. any periods in the hair, in the hair world that were a little bit gross? Like, have you got any weird <laughs> kind of tips I mean, that maybe they I used think... to do back in the day? <laughs> <laughs> I think a thing that's interesting is like, beauty has always been sort of disgusting and like yeah. we have always like literally since the first human remains that we find mm-hmm. people have always colored their hair mm-hmm. used weird treatments on their hair mm-hmm. it's absolutely nothing new to do these things <laughs> um we since time began we have been cutting our hair coloring our hair changing our hair changing the texture of our hair yeah and that's because we want to fit in and we want to look like other people mm-hmm. and that has always been the case so um yeah, people have used disgusting things in their hair all the time. Like, I mean, you know, we look at kind of Egyptians and, you know, they're using, like, bird crap in their hair to, like, bleach it because, obviously, it's, like, ammonia oh, in there. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. bird poo being used all the time. We get a lot of that. Um, lots of just kind of weird boiled-up animals and things being used for colouring hair and oh, wow. treating hair. Um, 
there's kind of no shortage of disgusting things that people have put on their hair. <laughs> and um, I think, you know, even in recent history, kind of when we think about like the 1950s and kind mm-hmm. of blonde bombshells, your kind mm-hmm. of Marilyn Monroe type things, you know, they were literally using like household bleach to color oh, their God, hair. Yeah. You know, that was all that was available then. So, mm-hmm. you know, we've, we've always used sort of gross, dangerous yeah. things yeah. on ourselves in order to change our appearance. And um, yeah, we're, we're lucky that now we have better products but (laughs) it's certainly nothing new to be uh to be using weird and wonderful things to change how we look well we're using snail snail mucus on our face yeah absolutely like none of these things are anything new it's totally just like this is what people and i mean not even women but you know everybody Mm. has used Mm. since since sort of time began to to change the way they look Mm. um you know there is so many things you can use to color your hair historically like Mm. so many like plant extracts and just weird things that you know like even like human urine you know it's gonna like bleach your hair so oh, really you know there's lots of there are lots of things you could use okay <laughs> thanks for that race pro tip give that a go <laughs> <laughs> obviously we've been talking about the historical side but is there anyone that you kind of think's kind of cool right now with their hair or a particular movement that's interesting you right now um I am like one of my favorite people in hair mm-hmm. is Gary Gill, the session stylist. Okay. And he is, um, I think what I really like about him is he, I, I, I know him quite well mm-hmm. and he is very inspired by sort of youth culture and he's when he kind of grew up in the eighties, nineties. And when you see the work that he does on shows, like he does the Balenciaga show, the Vetamon show, mm-hmm. things like that. And it's very much about the individual. And that's what I find really interesting. And I think mm-hmm. we are seeing such a huge, I mean, trend is kind of the wrong word, but, you know, movement mm. towards that yeah. in the beauty industry, this idea of embracing who you are and being natural. And yeah. all of the shows that he works on and the photo shoots that he does too, you know, the models all look different. The models all have, like, their own thing going on. They have their yeah. own colour. They have their own cut. And it's not just about this homogenous, like, one beauty idea anymore, which is really nice because I think we're kind of moving past that. And, you know, I think there's always a lot to be said. And, you know, trends keep this industry moving and it keeps... Yeah product sales and it helps salons make money but at the same time you know it's so great to see this like era of people being accepted for being Mm. an individual and whether Mm. I just think we're a lot more kind of open-minded to stuff now whether Mm. that's something as kind of simple as like you know you could have pink hair and work in an office now that's not going to be a crazy concept that gets you sacked or whether that is something quite edgy like you know some kind of androgynous um some hairstyle that's like really weird and no one can really tell Mm. what it is Mm -hmm but it makes you feel good then I find that really exciting I think as I've said like kind of the thing that always attracted me with both fashion and beauty is this idea of being able to sort of find out about a person through the way they look and I think it's really exciting that people are just kind of being themselves and doing these weird and wonderful things with their own haircuts and styles and textures and it tells you a lot more about a person than if they just all look exactly the same because they've got like the Rachel cut, you know, it's like yeah. it's exciting to kind of get an idea of somebody's personality and like, oh, what's this like weird thing they've got going on? Mm, it, it, mm. it just makes life a bit more interesting, I think. Okay, thanks so much for listening to my chat with Rachel today. Please do check her out over on Instagram at the Hair Historian. I guarantee you will enjoy looking at her feed. It's so stunning. Next time on the Beauty Me podcast, we'll be having someone in who's a bit of a skin goals person for me. I won't give too much away today, 
In the meantime, I'd just love to ask you if you could keep subscribing, keep listening, and please do leave reviews. They're so important and I'm so, so grateful for everyone that does actually take the time. I'm really trying to just build the Beauty Me podcast community here. So any comments, DMs, feel free to send them my way over on Instagram. You can find me at Beauty Me Podcast or literally me at No Grace Kelly. In the meantime, I just want to say thanks again for listening and I'll see you next time. Oh,